Hi, I am sitting here at the beautiful Harper Square Hotel, and there are wonderful apartments here, and this is where my friend has taken up abode, Roger Murrah. So Roger, thank you for being here. You have blessed downtown Franklin with your presence, and you've got this wonderful songwriting series that you've put together, and people come and can come and hear you tell your stories with some of your friends, and um, we kind of connected recently, and you've agreed to do the podcast, so welcome, yes. welcome. thank you, Pam. It's to, my to, pleasure. To the legend. My, um, my pleasure. If you don't know Roger Murrah, Google him, because he's a force to be reckoned with. He is um, a renowned songwriter, having many hits, some of my favorite songs, and worked with our friend and uh, client, Keith Stigall, uh, and collaborate, longtime collaborator. And Roger hails from Athens, Alabama, near Muscle Shoals, northern Alabama. And we're just going to kind of talk a little bit. And I said, Roger's like, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want to talk about things that people have never asked you before, because you've mm -hmm. done lots and lots of interviews and um, cut an incredible legacy in town. Thank you. And um, I had notes, and of course I've left them in my car. So we're just gonna, we're going to wing it. And we're going to we're going to visit like two friends. Um, so so talk to me a little bit. You you moved to Nashville, Music City, many right. years ago, and and kind of what was the climate like, and and how did you make your sojourn here? Well, and what year are we talking about? Seventy two. Okay. And uh, very different town then. And I had previously been in the army for three years. And on leave one day, I went over to Muscle Shoals. Stop for a second. Where were you stationed when you were in the uh, army? Different places. I went to Vietnam. Oh, and thank you and for I went to Goodness. two or three different uh, local places: Newport News, okay, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, hmm. I can't think of the others. Oh. <laughs> Georgia. That's where it started. But uh, anyhow, I went to uh, Muscle Shoals. My mother. Uh, wanted to go to this place called Rogersville where mm. uh, women went to buy shoes for a good price. So I took her over there, which was kind of between Athens, my hometown, and Bustle Shoals. Is it still there? Because I'll drive down there because I love yeah, shoes. Yeah, I think, I think they're still doing it. <laughs> really? Yeah. and um, I'm the Amelda so Marcos of shoes. <laughs> I love shoes. <laughs> So you have another house for your shoes? I right? do. I, no, I'm just teasing. Not really, but... Um, but I, on the way to take her for those buying shoes, I decided to go over to talk to Rick Hall, who was the icon who yeah. started the Muscle Shoals scene. Yeah. And Rick ended up signing me while I was in the Army. Okay, so now you, you had already started writing songs. Yes. And when did that start? What, what, like, when did you actually say, I, I can... Put music and words together and well, make songs. probably around my mid-teens, ah, something okay. like that. All right. And I used to, I used to front a band in Huntsville, Alabama area, and uh, we were doing all R&B songs, which made us more unique than I realized. Uh -huh. And we we were kind of because you're white. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. I had a white band, and we were doing some really good soulful. Like blue-eyed uh, soul. Kind yeah, of. exactly. And people, like Daryl, people loved it. <laughs> like Daryl Hall. <laughs> yeah, people loved it, and that's that's. Were you doing cover stuff or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't doing original. I, the, um, so that's where I I began. I loved R and B, um, and 
So Rick gave me my first exclusive songwriting deal. And wow. Then, and then later on, he was kind enough to let me out of the contract to come to Nashville. No kidding. I felt like I needed to come to Nashville for some reason. And when I got here and studied the history of country music, because I had not, I had not listened to it as, as a young person, I felt like it was adult music. And, uh, but after I studied, I loved it and knew I was where I should be. Mm. And uh, so I brought the R&B flavor into the country um, traditional mm -hmm. melodies, and it, it really kind of was helped, anybody helped else me. doing that when you moved here? There were probably not to the extent that I did it, maybe, but uh, somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. And so, talk about some of the folks that you first met when you moved here. Well, who'd you connect? Of course, with? Bobby Bear gave me my first Nashville publishing deal, mm -hmm. and uh, Bobby at the time was uh, working with a young man named Billy Joe Shaver. Oh, yeah. And I used to sit in the office at night and listen to Billy Joe's songs. And I, I would shake my head. I said, what in the world am I doing here? Because it, it was Was it poetry. intimidating? It was, yeah, it was. Yeah. Because it was, it was amazing stuff. And uh, Kind of ahead of his time a little bit. Yeah. It, it, he was kind of ahead of his time. That's what I mean. He yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was ahead of his and, time. And uh, finally, the... The uh, business rolled around to him, and he shined for quite a while. Mm, sure did. And um, but I respected him very much. And Bobby Bear had the most prominent uh, platinum ears in town for mm -hmm. songs. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, Bobby, helped helped Waylon get signed to RCA. He's helped so many people. I don't think people realize what he contributed. Oh, I mean, man. They know him for his own singing career. Yes. And for the record label that yeah. he started. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. He, he you know, Char Charlie Pride was another person who recognized talent and helped yeah. talent. Yeah. And I think people sometimes don't realize that. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby actually was the first to record a lot of people like Tom T. Hall, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Christopherson. Uh, Mickey Newberry. Oh, God. Work with Mickey. Oh, man. Now, Mickey was my prominent, uh, what do you call it? Uh, mentor? Or? Mentor, yes. Oh. I used to listen to his song. I never did get to meet him. No, I got and to work with him on one project. Man, he was just so talented. Oh, goodness. He, he may be the best melody writer ever in, in Nashville. So when you and I spoke, and we've met a few times, I asked you, do you write words, do you write music? You said, I always write both. Yeah. And do you usually start with a melody first, or words first? Are you a, are you a briefcase writer? Do you like, oh, I'm going to wake up this morning, I'm going to write oh, a no. song, or do you just wait till you're inspired? No, I, I conjure the inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I would arrive at the office at 10 o'clock, and we would sometimes start from nothing. Sometimes we'd start with a title. Um, but... I worked every day, and uh, it was back in the time when writers started being professional. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you set up your sessions, or would someone at the office set set up and say, you know, so and so is going to come in and write with you? Or was oh it no, I would both? Uh, mostly mostly me. Okay. Yeah, but uh, different publishers would get with me, get me with different people. But but every day, every weekday, 
I was either starting or finishing a song with a different writer. Wow. Yeah. And, but it gave me a lot of... Bobby's writers or different people? Uh, this would have been Tom T. Hall. I mean, Tom I'm T. sorry. Tom Collins. Collins. Pie Jam. Yeah, Pie Jam. Okay. And it's actually after Pie Jam, Tom started his own yeah, Tom, Tom Collins, Collins music. music. Yeah, And uh, Tom and I had a real good run together. And I was the only one who ever wrote myself into a co-pub deal with Tom. Because Tom, all due respect, Tom liked to get all the pennies. <laughs> well, and so he's I, a good businessman. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of wrote myself into the co-pub. And then I launched from the co-pub to my own thing. Yeah. And then I was a publisher for 20 years and uh, loved it, loved it. Developing writers and uh, that that may be my big, biggest contribution to the industry. So is your old office still there or has it been knocked down? It's still there. Music Row has been knocked yeah, down. It's, it's still it's, there. On it's 16th? Still there. Yeah. Where is it? 16th, yeah. But it's sad what's happened. You know, um, I, I miss it, but... We got my, my my block, my little block saved. So got four <laughs> buildings there. That's great. Um, do you still so, have those buildings? Yes, I do. Well, bless your you heart. You know the white safe music I'll row have, signs. That, that's to, me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I'll have to be nice to you. You've oh, got property on Music Row. I do. I'm <laughs> very blessed. I bought. They were all condemned. I bought in '93 and renovated them. So they've wow. just. It's been wonderful, and I feel so strongly about trying to keep that history intact. So talk to me, like, what was the hang? Like, where would you guys, after you write, where would you go? Would you go over to Mods at the time, or where? Well, I used to go to Mods, mm. but but I wasn't I wasn't the typical hanger outer. Okay. I would go home at the evening and. Do uh, you living in Franklin then? Where were you? Yeah, living? I was. In Franklin. At, okay. Finally, in the latter years, but. Uh, so I didn't hang a lot. I I didn't. I've never gone to many songwriter shows, although. I love to do them, and I'm I'm really an entertainer. From that, that's where I come from. Yeah. And um, do you like people, or do you feel are you more of like a woodshedding kind of guy that you want to sit back and get really quiet and craft your no, songs? No, no, so no. I love co-writing. Okay. Love it. In fact, I've leaned on it. But what it did, it gave me a variety in my catalog. Yeah. yeah. And so if they weren't looking for this. They were looking for that, and, yeah. and I had a good. Do you picture. ever write with women or mostly guys? Yeah, I, yeah. I have. Yes. Okay. And uh, so, give me some of the favorite writers that you really like. You like. Well, of course, Keith, Keith Stigall yeah. uh, is my favorite, and he and I wrote "We're in This Love" together, and we wrote uh, "Don't Rock the Jukebox," uh, a song. Uh, Strangers, things have happened for Ronnie Millsap, and and it goes on and on. It, and I love one of your favorite, my favorites, Only Love for Winona. Only Love, just yes. Just love that song. And wrote that with Marcus Hammond. Hammond, yeah. And that was his first number one song. Yeah, goodness And sake. what a talent Marcus Such was. Such a different take on music, too. Yeah. Really fresh yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, one of my main objectives on Only Love was keeping more chords out of it. Mm. Marcus could play everything mm. on the guitar. But... I kept trying to keep it simpler because he he would tend to put too many chords in. Mm -hmm. And um but boy was he is he a talent, man. Going on to write musicals. Yeah. yeah. Great, well, great talent. You go back to Harlan, three chords in the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so But I had other writers, uh, Mark Allen Springer, of course, who was the first 
writer I signed, and uh, Luke Bryan was with me for six years, and uh, I taught Luke everything he knows. Such a <laughs> name a dropper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Luke ended up doing what we expected him to do. Mm-hmm. We, we thought he was going to be a big star, and uh, it all started when he came to a a dinner we were having for the holidays for my company, and one of my writers, Rachel Proctor, said, asked mm-hmm. me if she could bring somebody. And of course, long story short, she brought Luke. And after the dinner, I told my right-hand man, Paul Compton, I said, if this guy can write his name, we're going to sign him. <laughs> because he just exuded... Charis- charisma. Charisma, mm-hmm. yeah. People loved him, and... Uh, and then he was a writer of sorts. <laughs> I I kidded him. I told him I was when he got famous. I was gonna, I was going to bribe him with these songs he first brought me. You're they were they were so you're hysterical. Not good. That's mean. That's <laughs> but mean. he went on to write some real good songs, and he mm. became a good writer. And. Uh, it's hard superstar. work. It's hard work writing a yeah. song. Oh yeah, and it's a lot of it is editing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like yes, it is. It's pursing and pursing and pursing until yeah, exactly. Let me ask you a question. Um, I, I'm I'm actually reading a book by Cecily Tyson, and Cecily Tyson, the mm. great actress, says in her autobiography, she says, "I never watch my films. I never watch them." Mm. Is it hard for you to listen to your music, or is it like you know, oh, cha ching, cha ching? Or do you listen to some of your songs and think, you know what, I wish I had worked a little bit more on that chorus, or, or are you okay with it? Or you know, usually when I finish a song, it, it's it's about as finished as it gets. Okay. And uh, early on, I could hear a thing or two that I could have done better. Yeah. yeah. But but my songs, my songs became better and better because I actually may have become a better editor than I am a songwriter okay. Okay. because I develop writers. Yeah. So I would, I could hear, I had the advantage of hearing their songs as a listener. Yes. That's something a songwriter never can do. Mm-hmm. And so I could help them edit and uh, kind of perfect their songs. So you've got this baby, and the baby's a song, and then you're hoping someone will cut this. Mm-hmm. And then you're hoping that the produ- the right producer will come along, and mm-hmm. it will produce you, pro- produce it in a, in a way that you want it to hear it produced. Yeah. Do you struggle with that, or do you think, oh my goodness, I wish that they had done this, or I wish, or I would have changed that, you know, viol- that uh, fiddle part there. I mean, or, <laughs> well, you, you know, let early, it go? early on, my first number one hit was a song called Southern Rains mm-hmm. by Mel Tillis, and uh, we had a real good demo on it. One thing I did through the years successfully. I had real good demos, mm-hmm. and I sang them myself because that's that's how I scratched that itch of being wanting to be yeah, a singer. singer. Yeah. And uh, so we had a great demo, had a lot of life to it, a lot of rhythm. And then I heard Mel's cut, which Jimmy Bowen produced, mm-hmm. and and it, I really was disappointed because was it too laid back? It was too stiff. Too stiff. Okay. Yeah, but it taught me a lesson. A stiff song can go to number one. <laughs> so that relieved me. With a bullet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so I got I got less, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I was less critical. Mm. Because once you, once you write a song, it has to fight its own battles. Yeah, sure. 
and uh, you may or may not get the right producer or the right singer or certainly not both sometimes. Mm -hmm. We did that with We're in This Love Together by Al Jarreau. Mm -hmm. We got the perfect, the perfect singer, the perfect uh, producer. Mm -hmm. It was sent <clears throat> by a guy from April Blackwood. That's who we kind of worked under. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sent that to California to Warner Brothers for a rock group. Okay. And um, and it got in the wrong box. Oh my goodness! Al Jarreau was in Warner Brothers. Was also a Warner Brothers artist. So our cassette got put into his box. No kidding. By mistake. And it was the last song of this box of cassettes that he had listened to that that night. Uh. Jay Graydon is the producer. Okay. Guitar gotcha. player. Gotcha. I knew if we kept talking, you'd, yeah, you'd get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jay told Al, we've got to have a hit. We have got to have a hit. Sure. We've got this album uh, almost finished, and we need a hit song. Yeah. And so Al comes to the last cassette in his box, which was mistakenly put in his box, and it was our song. And they just flipped. They just wow. flipped. And then we got the word that a guy named Al Jarreau had cut was going to cut our song, so I went down downtown in Nashville to get a an album by Al called This Time mm -hmm. because I didn't know who he was. None of us knew who he was really at the office. So I listened to the album and I came back and told everybody. I said, I don't know what he's going to do with this song, but it's going to be great, <laughs> you know. And so then as time went on, we found out. It was being released, and then it was being a sing going to be mm -hmm. a single. And as they say, the rest is history. It was mm -hmm. a it was a monstrous song around the world. Still right? a chestnut. You still hear it yeah. all the time. Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> very very fortunate. But and you're like right brain, left brain integrated. Yes. And that's a rarity. Because, very rare. Because uh, you have a business head. Yes, I love I love business. And. And I, I've talked to so many creative people, and they hate the business part of it. Mm -hmm. They just hate it. Most but, should not go into publishing, Yeah. for instance. And publishing and, is a patient business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to wait a while sometimes. Yeah. There, are a few, there are a few writers who have done it and done well, mm -hmm. but there are many more who tried and did, didn't stay with it mm -hmm. for good reasons. It, it, it just wasn't their thing. But I, I love, I've always called myself a shade tree entrepreneur. Uh -huh. I love business. And, uh, and it just dawned on me one day, you need, to pump, you need to open a publishing company. And it's funny, it was right before my face and I didn't see it till the last moment. Mm -hmm. And then I was publisher for 20 years. Very successful. Yes, you were. With a lot of, pre lot of people helped me. Yeah. Yeah. And you got involved with the... Songwriter Association, and yeah. president, and, and the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, I mean, my goodness. But you said something interesting. We were talking the other day, and I said, what's on your bucket list? And you said, I want to do an album. I want to sing. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to work on that next. Yes, we are. Yes. Um, good Lord willing, I'm, I'm hoping to do what I've always wanted to do, and it's the only dream, re music-related, that I haven't done. You haven't accomplished it. Everything, uh, everything I've been successful with. With the exception of that, and I'm, I don't, I don't see it as a big money venture at all, but I want to do it. I, it'd be great to at least break even on it, but 
there are a lot of people out there that like to hear the sing, uh, songwriters sing their songs. Mm -hmm. And then I've to got me, you should friends. do the story. You should there should be a little audio explaining the song, almost like a cut by cut, mm. because I think people who really love wordsmiths, they do are, love the they stories. They love to hear the stories. I really do. Yeah. And um, who would you love to collaborate with that you haven't had a chance to collaborate with, either writing a song or mm. singing with, or and it can Ooh. be it can be country, it can be dead, living, I don't care. Like who would you be like, well, oh my god, I'd give my eye teeth if I could. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Mickey Newberry was my first uh, attraction as far as uh, songwriters. Mm -hmm. And I never did get to meet Mickey, unfortunately. Uh, I would have to say that um, uh, Paul Simon oh, is my favorite writer. Okay. Um, I don't have any... Uh, favorite song of Paul's? Got any favorites that you really like? Uh, Well-crafted songs? Oh, goodness gracious. He's had so many. Boxer? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wish I could think of titles, but I can't. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I love what he did with the the guys from Africa. Africa, yeah. I love that project. Graceland. And, and my, the Graceland's project. My big... My big hero that I finally got to meet, he was going to produce an album on me. His name is Barry Beckett. Oh, I was going to ask you Barry, about Barry. Barry was the keyboardist on, and, and also, uh, I think had some... So he was, was he a he swamper? Produced, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, so. he was the swamper for yeah, Alcazar. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he, he did the Paul Simon thing, Graceland. Graceland, yeah. And the, that hot lick on that furniture, goodness gracious. It's Paul. Grayson, I mean, it's Barry Beckett. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but Paul, Paul is just—he's just unbelievable. Yeah. He really is. You a Billy Joel fan? Yeah, I like Billy yeah. Joel. I, one of my favorite songs is uh, the New York song. Yeah, New York State of Mind. New York State of Mind. Oh, yeah. Goodness gracious! Love the melody. Love the. I love everything about it. Yeah. He paints pictures. Oh, boy. And I love Angry Young Man and Big yeah. Shot. I mean, I just got to hear uh, this guy do a tribute to him and had all of his pickers playing with I mean, it was mm. so good. It was mm. here in Franklin uh, last Sunday. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really a thrill to hear him. But, you know, I, I must mention some some Nashville writers because mm -hmm. Nashville, Please. really, it really is the hub of great writing. And uh, I, I stand on the shoulders of Many people like Harlan Howard, uh, Curly did you, Button. Did you know Harlan? I did know Harlan, but I never did write with him. What was but, Harlan like? I mean, I know. I, I know uh, Harlan was man. He kind of shy a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he kind of he kind of was reserved. Yeah. But obviously, very uh, very very uh, successful. I, for, I forget what the word is. I'm trying to think of prolific. Prolific writer, and uh, and there are other people like Whitey Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, goodness gracious, Curly Putnam. Yeah, Curly. Or See, Bob, Curly Bobby, Bobby Cur Braddock, of course. Bobby Braddock, Bob McDill. Yeah, is amazing. I wrote a song or two with him. He's just an amazing guy. But um, <clears throat> certainly, Bobby Braddock. Uh, Curly was from Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. So I, I told Curly one time that all of us Alabama boys were just little Curlies <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to grow up, 
he got a kick out of it. <laughs> but he helped Jim McBride and me. Jim McBride is a, one of my contemporaries. He's from Huntsville. Mm -hmm. We wrote our first song that became a hit, top five, uh, uh, A Bridge That Just Won't Burn by mm -hmm. Con for Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty. And then... Uh, what a voice. Oh, my goodness. Oh, me. And Conway used to call me. He, he would call me when he was getting ready to record an album. Want to know if I had anything new, and if I had it, I'd take it to him. But I'd also take him some of the old ones I had had already pitched yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it worked. <laughs> well, he had a, such. He was another really good businessman. He sure was. Right brain, left brain. You know, I would say Alan Alan Reynolds is one of those life right, Abs left absolutely. and right, yeah, big time. Did you ever uh, the Oaks ever cut any of your stuff? Yeah, yeah, Ozark Mountain That's Jubilee. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I and, love. I think Dwayne's. I love Dwayne. He's another good businessman. Absolutely, and Dwayne has good ears too. He sure as heck does, and he, he had he a publishing company too. Yeah, he picked all of the songs that they cut of mine. Yeah, and I had about and they're still torn their tails off. Oh my goodness, they're busy. I know it. I, they're amazing, but I had about four or five singles on them, and yeah. Dwayne was very helpful to me. And put energe really energetic shows and good people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know why Dwayne likes me, but if I send him a text or an email, he'll call, like right away, he'll get back to me. And I'm That's like, Dwayne. I'm nobody. Like, why are you even? Because I always no. like to, Pam Lewis. I always like to. <laughs> That's That's Dwayne. We have the same Wonderful attorney. Guy. We have the same attorney we've had for years. So we just, I think, anyway, he's, he's, our, he's my buddy. Um, talk about... You know, Nashville's changed so much, and, and um, you know, I can remember my friend John Lomax used to say, well, see you around the campus, he would say, and it really mm. was like a kind of a campus, yeah, you know, yeah. and I remember moving here, of course, I moved from Manhattan, moving mm -hmm. in MTV, and I thought, well, goodness, everybody knows everybody. And I thought, well, you can't get away with anything in this town. <laughs> and I thought, I better be careful because there's like such anonymity. It was, it was and, a small. Oh, it was a small town, town wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and and it's changed. But do you feel there's still a sense of community amongst the music industry? I, I think there is. I think so and, too. And I can't, I can't give up on that. No. So so I'll be, <laughs> I'll be, be believing when I pass on that that there's some community left. But mm -hmm. but when Country music started making a lot of money. It, it changed things. Yeah. Greed became more evident. We've always been uh, friendly competitors. Yes, yes, yes. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I must say before we end this, see, you were on my bucket list, you know. I told you. Yeah, but I just thought you were full of beans. No, 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 no. I've what heard I, about Pam what Lewis did I tell all you? my years. What did I tell you when you said that? I said, you better get a better bucket list, goodness <laughs> sakes. Well, I want to like go to Tahiti. That's on my bucket and I, list. I, <laughs> I didn't even know that you were in the beginning of MTV. Oh, goodness, yeah. Right and out of you, college. You were, of course, part of the team that launched... Uh, uh, Garth Brooks, yeah, and brought Garth to the world, lifted him from the earth to the world. Garth and, and I were babies, and I, I mean, <laughs> I ran into him at the at Joe Chambers Memorial, and, and mm. we just had a really nice connection and, yeah. and hugged each other, and both of us were crying by the end. But I said, God. Garth, we were so young. He goes, yeah, we were. And I said, we worked hard, didn't we? He goes, you worked me so hard. And I said, well, <laughs> back at you, back at you, Garth. But um, and Bob but Doyle, you, but, I mean, what a, what a great team. Yes, you 
Uh, yes, Bob and uh, Bob's got, I just want to congratulate Bob's got you. Great ears, Bob Doyle's yeah, got great that's ears. That's great. He's we were a, we're very different, but it was kind of this like that worked, you yeah. know. Bob said to me one time. He said it's like because we we had we just were scraping our pennies together to make things happen, and and um, mm. and I said, God, Bob, do you think we'll ever break through? Ever? I mean, we were touring, and it was Clint Black and Ricky Van Shelton. Wow! Wow! And I think we were getting five grand a show, and I was like, "That was a lot of money." Oh, we were no. thrilled. It was like the hat. And uh, I can remember sitting at, after the show, and he was standing and signing autographs. And by the time we did that run, Garth was starting to get some stride. Mm -hmm. It was good. And he said, "Pam, it's like you're like you're. It's like I'm, I'm Mickey Rooney, and you're Judy Garland. And it's like let's do a play." <laughs> it was like that. It was like very. You know, grassroots. Bob said that. Yeah, Bob he said, said that. that to, to what me. did he say to your comment? Uh, you think this is ever going to work? Or, or like, however well, you said yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was kind of like we, because I'll tell you something, we were like the underdogs. It's hard to believe, but we really wow. were. And um, we had tried to get him a deal, and everybody passed, and then and we wanted Jerry Kennedy to produce, mm. and then we took it to Capitol, and Capitol passed, and then. I was home, you know, I didn't go, I mean, they just, he and Bob went out and he was going to do a, um, a writer's night at the Bluebird. Mm. And Bob's like, well, I'm, we're just going to go run out for a minute and, you know, you don't even, don't even bother coming. And so I'm in, I'm in East Nashville in my house, I'm mm -hmm. in East Nashville and the phone rings and he was like, holy cow, Pam. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, Ralph Murphy was late and so they threw Garth on and so he played and uh, Lynn Schultz happened to be in the audience. And Lynn said, well, Bob, how do we leave this thing? And we just had a meeting with, with Lynn. And I, Lynn was my friend, and we'd work a bunch of projects together at Capitol. And um, so Bob said, well, Lynn, you passed on Garth. And he said, well, call me tomorrow. I think I missed something. Mm. So Bob was like, well, you're, you're get, you get along, you know, Lynn better than I do. you got to help. we got to help finesse this. Well, Lynn didn't get along with Jerry Kennedy. Oh. Didn't get along with them. Interesting. And I didn't know that. So Bob was like, what are we going to do? And I said, well, shoot, what about Alan Reynolds? How about Alan? Oh, And that's man. how we went to Alan. And unbeknownst to us, Alan had had enough of the business, and he had lost Crystal and lost Kathy, and he was like, I'm selling the studio. And then oh, we, called, no. we called, and he went in. And because he and Lynn got along, Lynn stayed out of the studio, let Alan work, and that was the first album. No kidding. Amazing. It's like your Al Jarreau story. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just a fluke, right? I know, I know. So many flukes in the business. You that, just have to keep showing up. Yeah. I think if you just keep showing up and you don't get discouraged and you keep trying to um, be happy for other people's success, that's hard. Absolutely. When people are kicking you in the teeth, you know, yeah. and they're not even meaning to. It's just like, I remember being so jealous of Clint Black because it's like he just kept kicking our rumps. And, he, and you'd go into a record store, that was when there were record stores back then, and there would be a gazillion Clint Black records, and there would be Clint Black stand-ups and Clint Black posters, and RCA was bankrolling and putting lots of money into mm -hmm. it. And we'd go into a record store, and there was no Garth Brooks records. <laughs> there was no mm. posters. There were no stand-ups. There mm. was none of that. We didn't have the marketing budget. And I'm like, man, I'm so sick of that guy. You know, and I, I, I used to call him the C word. I'm like, that damn Clint Black, you know. And of course, he had great management and, you know. Yeah, I mean, he had it all. And Galani was, I mean, unbelievable, Joe Galani. And so um, Bob and I were kind of like, 
you know, I'm like, how much money do you have in your checking account? Like, I maxed out all my credit cards, you know. It was mm. like, I just believe in this guy. We got to, like, when are we going to cut a, cut a break, you know. And um, it's hard to believe. But, mm. but you know what? I have to tell you, MTV was like that, too. When we launched MTV, we turned the switch in Jersey because we could not get MTV and Manhattan, and Manhattan cable. Mm. They didn't have the channel capacity. So we actually took a limo. I will never forget this. John Lack was my boss, and of course Bob Pittman and all those guys. And and so we had to go across the river to launch it. And um, and then we started the I Want My MTV campaign. But the two components that we needed were the record labels to produce the videos, and we needed Madison Avenue to produce commercials because it was we had commercials. And, wow. And. The labels couldn't see it because it wasn't in L.A., it wasn't in New York. And it was Madison Avenue was in New York, and they were like, what is this cable channel? What the heck? Why, you know? Mm. So believe it or not, I used to have to take um, air checks, and I would get writers to come in my office, and I'd sit them in my office, and I would play the channel for them to look at, to write about, and beg them. I'm like, I'll buy you a sandwich. Will you come and have a cup of coffee and watch <laughs> this and write about it? Oh, man. And it, then it just started to explode. Wow. So it was crazy, you know. So I love that when you're just, it's you're fresh and it's exciting and you're working with oh, an I underdog. Know. And, I know. You know, and I can remember Gar said to me, Pam, don't you tell these people before they do an interview with me, interview with me don't you send them something about me? Don't you send them my bio? Don't you send them my songs? I'm yeah. like, I said, of course I do, buddy. And he goes, well, they keep asking me the same damn songs, Pam. They Same damn questions. Why what? Did, and I said, just keep answering the questions until you're a household name. I promise mm. you, it'll mm -hmm. happen. That's and he did. Great, great advice. And he did. And he, you know, he would like, oh, all right, damn it, I'm so sick of talking. And you know, but, but, um, but anyway, it worked. So well, I, I want to ask you, how did you think of Alan? Why did you think of Alan? Okay, I'll tell you why. Of course, I knew Bo. Because he's a very important part of. Oh it. my goodness, I loved what he did with Kathy mm. and Crystal mm -hmm. and he was a song guy Yeah, and I knew he owned his own studio and I thought maybe he would take the time with this young guy mm -hmm. who was wet behind the ears who needs to learn how to work in a studio needs to learn how to work with a mic I mean Garth was already such a consummate entertainer because he mm -hmm. put himself through college playing and he was yeah but he, the studio thing is a different thing totally different thing yeah people and, don't realize that and Garth was influenced by folk music Garth was influenced oh. by his Brothers and sisters, he was the youngest. So they were listening to Towns Van Zandt, and they were listening to all of that mm. sort of like singer-songwriter music, mm -hmm. James Taylor, all that stuff he was influenced by. And I'm like, you know, Alan's got this sort of interesting take on the biz and has sort of this other Man, these other that, influences. And I, I just, I don't know why. Honestly, that, it, was a, it was just an inspiration That thing. was one of the and most I didn't know important. Alan. I didn't was, know him well. I that just was one of the most important decisions y'all made. And I thought, it's not going to be a good idea to put him with someone who's really, really busy, who's got four or five projects going, because right. Garth needs to be fine-tuned. Right. And and Bob was great, and, and Garth was trying to get someone to write, If Tomorrow Never Comes, he had that song lyric. He had the title, and Kent, everybody was like, oh, it's too depressing, and Kent Blasey wrote it with him. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. So. Um, did, did Alan like him when he first heard him? Yeah. And also, Alan is I'm a sucker for soft-spoken guys, and Alan's okay. very soft-spoken. It's like talking to a shrink when you yeah. talk to Alan, yeah. right? And Alan's like kind of laid back, yeah. and I hate, I knew Cowboy, of yeah. course, because oh, I worked goodness. with Towns. 
So yeah. I'm thinking, well, he came out of that camp, right? That Jack Clement camp. Yeah. So maybe it could work. That was a great move. So great I don't know. Move. It was just one of those things that kind of worked, and I remember. Isn't it interesting when it all comes together? Well, and it's the, just and unbelievable. The, the Jim Reeves song, I Know One, and Alan brought that to Garth, and he said, you ought to cut that. And Alan's like, I mean, Garth's like, eh, I don't know about that song. And, of course, that was a great, I mean, Alan has got such great ears, and he was, yes. I mean, he had Mick, yes. he had uh, Jim Rooney over there, and Pat Alger, and I mean, my God, it was like amazing. It's a creative And house. Sandy Mason was over there, of course, you yeah. know, at the time. Um, and I got to work with Sandy after that, too. So we mm. did some couple projects with her. So it was just a beautiful place, um, and it had like this, this history in the building, which now, I mean, I own the buildings across the street, so I, I looked across the street, and that's where we cut all those hits. And, <laughs> you know, Garth bought the building and quadrupled the size, but respected it, didn't knock it down, which, thank you. Cause that's you, good, that's good. And, and that's the thing about anyone who's listening, you can actually buy buildings and not knock them down, you can add on to them and keep the power of place, mm. it's important. Mm-hmm. The power of place is important. Yeah. So um, there's there's some mojo in there, you know, you yeah. don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Wow, it's fascinating, Yeah. fascinating. Well, you know, uh, an interview I did with Keith Stegall, um, he, uh, he mentioned a thing, I forget what his word was, but another word I use is serendipity mm-hmm. of this, of what we do. It's how it, it, it comes together the collision, in, in spite of us. The sometimes. collision of karma. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Collision of karma, I really believe that. And then how funny, because before Alan met Keith in The Magic Began, he was working with my friend Jim Weatherly, also yeah, an know. incredible songwriter. Absolutely. But Jim was not a, he didn't like the business part of things. He didn't like, you know, he was working with Marty Gamlin and, and yeah, Charlie Monk and all those yeah. guys. And um, he calls me up one day. And of course, if both of y'all don't know who Jim was, and Jim passed away, but Jim wrote Midnight Train to Georgia. Yes. And neither one and of it us. Was, it was uh, Midnight, Midnight Train, Train to Houston. Houston and, and was it Gladys Knight? Gladys changed it. Yeah, she's yeah. like, I can't sing that. You know? Neither one of us was a Wants monster. to be the first to say, say goodbye. goodbye. Yeah. And uh, someone else's star, I think. Yeah. They wrote that too. And he was also a football star. Ole Miss. Yeah. And uh, you want some more trivia? <laughs> Do you remember the Elvis comeback special with the leather jacket uh, and the leather pants, right? Okay. When after Elvis went to the army. The dancers in Jailhouse Rock, remember those silhouetted dancers? Yeah. He was one of the dancers. Oh, really? I promise you. <laughs> Which is terrible. That's amazing. But anyway, Jim calls me up and he was like, Pam, I need some help. And I said, what, what do you need? He said, well, no, we don't have any money. I'm like, of course, you know. Who, call, who calls me and says, <laughs> I got plenty of money. Here, here's a check. He's here's a songwriter. My, yeah, I don't have any money. So I'm like, well, just give me an antique because he had great antiques. But anyway. I had bought this house in East Nashville and, uh, for $49,000, thank you very much. And <laughs> he says, I've got this old boy, and he's working in the mailroom at uh, Nashville Network, and I'm working with him. He's from Bruton, Alabama, and we're trying to get a record deal, and I've got some songs, and we're going in and cut some sides on them. I'm like, what's his name? He said, oh, Alan Jackson. He said, you'll like him. He's really tall. He's got blonde hair. You'll like him. <laughs> 
Oh my He's God. soft-spoken too. Yes, he is. <laughs> I'm a sucker for soft-spoken men. So I said, okay, tell you what. I said, what do you need? He goes, I need a bio. I need a press sheet. I need everything so we can shop them with. I said, okay, mm. I tell you what. I need a room painted in my house. He's tall. You think he might be able to paint a room for me? <laughs> so I told you this. So that's Alan painted a room in my house. Oh, that's amazing. And I wrote a bio for him, and the rest is history. Oh, man. And then he, and did, nothing happened with Jim, and then he met with Keith, and then bam, you yeah. know. Yeah. And Alan, to me, you were so seminal in what he, he, his whole sound, because I'm like, okay, here's another guy who stands there and sings, like George Strait, like so many folks, you mm -hmm. know. And they're not saying they're bad, but, you know, Ricky Van was like that, yeah. and George Strait, Clint yeah. was like that, and Strait was like that. Yeah. But then when he did Chattahoochee and Don't Rock the Jukebox, I'm like, holy mother of God, this guy's got some, something else here going on, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I'll never forget when he did the, I think it was the CMAs, and had that huge jukebox behind mm. him who was performing, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I was so happy for him, too. He's He'd been singing demos around town. Yeah, sure he was. And, and was turned down by everybody. everybody. Yeah. I mean, and Tim How many times have we heard that story? Well, and that's the tenacity. You've got to just yeah, keep yeah. showing up. And you know? another word that I, one of the first words that I could actually put on to success was persistence. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep persisting. Well, and it's like you got to believe. You know, I'll say to some people I work with, and I said, you have to believe in your dream more than I do. Yes. Because if you don't, it isn't yes. going to work. You got to believe till somebody else believes. Yeah. And helps you carry the flag. Exactly. And yeah. and you have to, I really believe that you have to be grateful. Like gratitude oh, is such an important component. That's that's the most it's left with me really yeah. is gratitude. Yeah. I have been very, very blessed. And, and then uh, it just keeps multiplying. Yeah. The more grateful you yeah. are, the more that it multiplies. And yeah. it's like God says, oh, oh, you said thank you. Okay, here's some more good stuff. Oh, you said thank you. Here's some more mm. good stuff. Oh, you helped somebody. Oh, here's some more good stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you get bitter and angry, it'll mm. kill you. It'll kill yeah. your heart. And I have been bitter and angry sometimes. Not proud to say yeah. that, but I have. Yeah. But um, did you all ever come? Did you ever come across a guy that Bob? Well, I'm trying to think of how. I think how did we meet, Buddy? It might have been through Guy Clark, actually. Buddy Monlock. Did you ever know Buddy? I've Buddy? heard of Buddy. I didn't know. So him. we were publishing Buddy and helping him uh, with a career with. And he had a song called No Choice. You got to listen to it. Go Google it. Mm, I'm sure I it's will. online. But it's talking about being a writer, anyone creative. And I have no choice. I have to do it. Mm. I have no choice mm. but to write. Mm. It's like Willie Nelson was yeah. interviewed and he said, What would you be doing if you weren't a successful writer, a successful musician? He said, I would be a writer and a musician. It's just what I do. Yeah, and I th I would say that if there is nothing else that you can possibly do but write songs or sing, then that's what you have to do. But if you've got another yeah. choice, do it because yeah. it's not easy. It's not for everybody. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But the the wonderful thing is whether you're successful or not, if you have a voice and you like to write, you can do it, and yeah. you can do it, and you supersede whatever anybody else says. You just do it. You do it because it blesses you, because yeah. it makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like I've got friends that paint. They would paint regardless if anybody ever bought their paintings mm -hmm. or sculpt or fill in the blank yeah. or you cook know. or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever creative thing that you're doing. Yeah, Jimmy Bowen 
once said that uh, take care of the music and it'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know if, if that originated with him, but it's true, it's mm -hmm. true. You just keep taking care of it, perfecting it. Uh, but I think that's true of anything. Yeah, I do too. It, not just the creative arts. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're sweeping a porch, sweep it to the sweep best well, of your yeah. ability. Bloom where you're planted. There you go. Yeah, I love that saying. Me too. Yeah. And I have I have a really good friend, my friend Kathy Fuston. I say that about her. Whatever she does, she just does it with abandon. And she blooms where she's planted. Yeah. And I love that about her. And, and I've, I've had, um, you know, it's all, especially young people. It's like, well, you know, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's like, well, shoot. you know what? If you're making a milkshake, make the best milkshake you can make. Right. And um, yeah. why would you think you're going to be promoted if you're just waiting for that raise? You know, just like... <sighs> you know, so much of that drive that we all need is so lacking with the young folks, I'm sorry to say. Well, and not to be cynical. It's kind of no, like no, no, if no. you're 17 no. years old and you're already cynical, it's like... You know what? Get knocked it around a little bit, and yeah. you can get blue. And well, I'm sure you've been blue at times. You've written a song yeah. about it, but you've had stuff happen. You went through a divorce, or you had a job that you yeah. lost, or you had yeah. we possessed your truck or something. Yeah. But if you're if you're still young and you're already in a bad yeah. state, wow! Like what else is there? You know. Yeah. You know, and and two, I want to say this to encourage anyone who's going through things like this. Like the song Waylon and Jesse sang, storms never last. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and great times never last either. That's true. And uh, so, so just realize if you're in a bad state of mind at this point, it's not going to last. It's going to be better. And, if, and it's good for any of us who are having good times to realize that's not going to last either. So I always told yeah, my save writers, your money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> save, save your money. Yeah. Live below your means. I always tell people that. I, I, I used to tell my writers, uh, I said, remember the music industry is never as great as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. Mm -hmm. You've got to find your mid, middle ground and stay with it, you know, mm -hmm. and not, not be lost by it. Yeah, I think. I said to someone recently, I said, stop bitching. <laughs> because oh, it was yeah. like every time I would talk to them, it would be like, eh, eh, eh. I know it was like, it was like something that it was beyond my control. I couldn't help with. It had already happened. Yeah. It's like, why would you think that anybody would want to continue to work with you if that's the state that you're in? Because what mm -hmm. you're doing is you're pushing people away mm -hmm. when you behave that way. Absolutely. And I, I'm not saying you can't take some time to process. Yes. And I have gone through years where I needed a process. I mean, I went mm -hmm. through all kinds of stuff where I just sort right. of been like, but I'm like at any given day, try to find something to be happy about. Yeah. Start out your morning with gratitude. Absolutely. And then it goes from there. Absolutely. And then it's like dominoes. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's really a rule of life. Yeah. It's not, you're not just making this up. This uh -uh. is true. This has happened for me. It's happened for a lot of people. Exactly. You know? And I yeah. like that. I think, um, and I, I don't know if you have found this to be true, but, you know, I've, I've, I've met people, and you could tell they look at you and they're like, oh, you're in the music business. It's almost like there's a snarl there or something. Mm -hmm. 
they may find you interesting to invite to a cocktail party because it's like, well, she's our token music person. <laughs> but they don't really respect you because yeah. it's, oh, so much more impressive if you are a banker or a lawyer yeah. or whatever. And no, I would what? say, you know what, it's one of the hardest business. And so if you have any success at all, it's like you're, you're very damn lucky. Oh, yes. And you're probably pretty decent. You're probably pretty good yeah. at what you do yeah. because it's not easy. No, 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 no. And so you have to, um, someone said to me one time, he said, well, if you think about it, what do you do? You play. Okay, so at night you go and play. Or you go in the studio and you play. Or you sit around and you write songs. And that to serious people sounds quite trivial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't say, I'm going to go, changes I'm gonna the go world. work. I'm going to go work. Yeah. No, you say, I'm going to go play. And so I think that that's sort of a nuance, a semantics, hmm. in a sense, you know. Wow. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it, but I think it's but true. It, but boy, it is work. It is work. And, you know, you just have to keep working until someone works for you. Mm. And uh, you never stop working. Never stop. Being nice there. to people around you. Too. It's like, um, it's kind of like if, if if you're not nice to me and I'm helping you, well, you know what the heck, or you're not following through, or you're not, you know, you got to treat it like a like a like work too. You know, yeah, you got a they, job to do. You and you know you don't do it selfishly, but the fact that remains that person you're being nice to may be your way out. Amen. Yeah. It's like my... Are your way in. Enlightened self-interest. It's like, yeah. guess what? If you act like a professional, you'll be treated right. as a professional. Right. If you act like a flake, like it's kind of like don't become the stereotype. Oh, he's late all the time or drunk mm -hmm. or irresponsible mm -hmm. or can't handle money. I mean, that's sort of mm -hmm. what the judgment of the music industry is, you yeah. know? Yeah. And... Um, but there are some brilliant people. Absolutely, frigging brilliant people in the music industry. But I think you're wired differently, Roger. Yeah. You're wired differently than other people. Yeah. Now you were blessed yeah. with a business head as well. Exactly. Yeah. And. Um, but yeah, don't <laughs> don't make the mistake of thinking people who are in the arts, let's say, generally, are not uh, subject to be brilliant. Yeah. Because they're in touch with a part of life that everybody isn't blessed with. That's right. And and we have to, and as writers, it's a, what do you call it? It's a, it's a treasure that we have to be uh, uh, careful with because music changes people's lives around exactly. the world. Exactly right. It, it can pick you, I mean, we, we have this song that I've published by the Rascal Flats called Moving On. It's a great song by um, uh, my, my friends who wrote it. I can't get a thing of their name. Uh, but we had a young man send us an email after he heard that song. He said, I was going to commit, I, I was going to take my own life. Yeah. Eddie Hill told me that about it, one of his songs. Yeah. Someone said they and, stopped because they And heard he stopped, song. yeah. Well, and I heard back when I was frantic, work, working, you know, like a maniac. I'm in a hurry to get things done. <laughs> rush and rush until life's no fun. Yeah. And you wrote it. Yeah. And boy, is that good to remember. Yeah. When we're just in our phones and in our head space. And all, all we really have to do is live, live and die. die. I'm, I'm in a hurry, hurry and I don't, don't know, know why. why. Yeah. I mean, what 
Randy Van Prolific. Van Thank you. Just prolific and so common sense. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Recite some Thank of the you. lyrics from Only Love because that's another one that makes me cry. Mm. Oh boy, you just shouldn't have flag. me re recite. Talk about the flag. Uh, I can't remember, honestly. I'm so sorry. But there's a that stands alone. But, flag that stands alone. Oh yeah. 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 Um, uh, sail straight to the. Uh, <laughs> it's such please, a haunting melody. I love please, it. Yeah, it's making me cry right oh, now. Oh man! Please, yeah. please go, listeners. Please go to Google and look up one on a singing uh, only, only love. love. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you something about that, Pam. That song was intentionally written on the surface. It's a love song. Yeah. Believe beneath that, it's a spiritual song. Yeah. And exactly. it was written intentionally. If somebody wanted to go that deep with it, they could. Yeah. And um, and we did that because a lot of people only want surface. That's right. And but if they want to go deeper, they can. Yeah. And we did that on purpose. And I've come to find out it's Winona's favorite song. Really? Yeah. Of all the songs she sung, that, that says a lot. Well, I didn't think you would have time to talk to me, and I thought, well, shoot, I'll just ask him. It doesn't hurt to ask. And so then I started like listening. I'm like, oh, my God, he wrote that. Oh, my God, I forgot it. He wrote that. Oh, my God, he wrote that. Then I was like, well, shoot, didn't any women cut his songs? I'm like, oh, yeah, Winona. And I was like, oh, he wrote Only Love? Oh, my God, what a beautiful song. <laughs> and I, I put it on. And I'm watching the video, and I just started bawling, and I was like, and I'm crying oh, now, and I it was just like that so much. It's so special, and I'm jaded. Like I hate everything. <laughs> it takes you a know, lot I, to impress me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're you're one of the. I don't nice, really, You're one of the nicest jaded people I've ever met. Well, I don't mean that. Like I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's like when people well, you've say, been through it all. You've been oh, through it all. Goodness. I mean, yeah. you and I both. Yeah. I mean, good. Well, you've gone through more than I have. <laughs> you've had more success than I have, too. But, um, not, no, I, not really. But, uh, uh, this has been such a pleasure. Do you ever go I through a would writer's block? Has that ever happened? Yes, I have. But, but after, after one or two, I, I've learned that it doesn't continue. That, and that'll pass, too. That, that's too shall pass. Yeah. And, um, so I, I tell writers, if that happens, just go go do something you enjoy doing. Go fishing or whatever. Go out to Don't eat. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Just go forget about it, really. And then the well will fill again. Yeah. That, and you'll get inspiration from the most unusual places. Unusual spot. Okay, so that's you have so to true. do me one favor. What? Tell Keith to talk to me because he keeps promising he'll do a podcast with me. Oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> you must do it with Keith. He's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, he's promised like 12 times. I'm like, all right, I'm just coming. That's it. We're going to talk. I'm just teasing. Oh, yeah. He's been busy. <laughs> he's a busy but Keith, boy. I'll tell you, I, I love his... I, I mean, I, he and I did one together, as you know, mm -hmm. an interview. Lovely and, Franklin, y'all. Google yeah. Lovely Franklin and our yeah. friend Buffy. Yeah, Buffy. The, and it's great. And uh, But Keith, I was sitting there like a listener. Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoyed every minute of it because... He was also telling some parts of mine and his story that I wasn't aware of. Oh, yeah, sure. And um, and he's very humble. Yes. As very, are you. Very humble. Very humble. And But you know what? 
Keith, boy, he has some insight about him. And, and hearing him talk, uh, I mean, one thing that just blew me away, he said songwriting was similar to back in the many, 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 many years ago when there were masters and, uh, and uh, apprentice, mm -hmm. whether it's art or whatever it is. And he compared what we do now to that. Sure. So this is what this is. I mean, the the master teaches the apprentice, and then the apprentice becomes a master mm -hmm. and teaches another master. Mm -hmm. You know, and and the way he described that, it was made all sense in the world. Well, but like, I've never it's done like it. Passing before. the torch. Yeah, like, exactly. Which, but you did because you started songwriting, yeah. uh, uh, publishing, and so yeah. you were finding talent and nurturing that talent. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Keith has blessed me by saying that. He, he really learned how to write with me and uh, from me, he says. And uh, But, uh, wow, he had such a musical base in him that he could apply to these skills. that You can learn skills, mm -hmm. but you can't learn the that thing, that innate thing that comes within writers. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can learn that. I think that's given to you. Mm -hmm. It's a gift, but you can learn the skills. Sure, sure. Well, I, I do think it's a gift. It's like, I think teaching is a gift, too. Yeah. You know, you have to be called to it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were called. Is there any parting words that you want to say? Is there anything that, that I haven't asked you that you wish someone had asked you? Because hmm. you've done well, a gazillion interviews over the years. Well, I, I just, um, first of all, I want to encourage whoever's listening, whatever you're doing or not doing, uh, take a moment to encourage yourself and then take it a step at a time. Don't feel like you got to accomplish it all today. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time to do anything well. I don't care what you're doing. If you're, if you're a welder or you're an architect or you're a songwriter, just take your time and keep doing better when you learn more. Mm -hmm. Set goals every day. Yeah, yeah. And just do little baby steps. Yeah, yeah. And before you know it, you've done it. Yeah, all of a sudden you're there. Do you have a favorite song you've written? When I'm forced to choose, it would be Ozark Mountain Jubilee. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, was that, the, was that it, the first big mailbox money? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually. But it... Uh, it's just a cycle of life. The guy leaves to go after it, whatever it is, to chase his dreams or whatever, and then then he ends up finding it was where he left, where that's where it was. Mm -hmm. And and then basically the song can also be about a person returning to die, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to finish their life. Mm -hmm. And so it's the whole it's a whole cycle of life, and uh, uh, so it, it was a great experience. The song was okay. So everybody, Google him, listen to his music. If you're cutting an album, cut his songs. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being with me. My I appreciate pleasure. It. What a pleasure. My pleasure.